Brian and Lisa Hap. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jordan. Hey, mate. Thank you. I'm uh, super excited to get you guys on. I've had the pleasure of working with you over the last, what, eight eight to 12 weeks? Nah, it's probably been longer. It's been a couple of months at least. Um, and help, you know, you guys out with the, with, the, with the platform and get amongst implementing it into your process and everything else like that. And uh, this is the first time that I've got two guests at once. So uh, I'm super excited for today. So anything can happen. <laughs> it's going to be very dangerous. <laughs> No, nah, I love it. Um, cool, guys. Well, I guess to get us kick-started, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to sort of hear a little bit about your your background and what you guys have done for a career and throughout your lives. Um, Brian, I know you're a bit of a surfer, so I've been getting some tips from you. Uh, but I think if, you know, throughout your journey, do you feel like you have built sort of a, a philosophy around building out a, a property portfolio? And if so... Is there anything, what what would that philosophy be and has that changed over time? Oh, yeah, it certainly changed over time. Like when we came together, both of us, or Lisa had an investment property, I'd had investment properties and, and sold off. Um, so when we came together, it was a, um, we both had the same sort of attitude, but I suppose no idea back then, and and there wasn't things like podcasts and internet to to get us education. So we've made some mistakes along the way, and and learnt more and more, and and built up a um a really solid portfolio ourselves now. But you know, our first joint venture together, we bought a a block of land, and we slapped a volume build um property on top of that, um and didn't go anywhere for ten years. And of course, that was in our uh, in our hometown, uh, so that we could keep an eye on it in case it went anywhere or or any of those sorts of things. Um, then we learned a little bit more, and you're going to like this one, Jordan. I had a longboard theory, so um, traveling around on holidays and those sorts of things, and we had little kids at the time, and went to sort of holiday spots where they had gentler waves. We're like, hey, the property prices around here are expensive. And then went to other places with similar sorts of waves and going, hey, these are expensive. You know, this this one isn't expensive yet. So I had the theory that uh, capital growth was, was uh, conditional on the um, quality of the wave and, and who it suited. And it's proven to be very, very right. So if you look at it, you know, we bought in Sunshine Beach um, on the back of, of Noosa and, and the points there. And, uh, yeah, a couple of other locations that are... Um, proven really really well and if you look at places like Byron and all those sorts of things but then we got real education and, and moved on and I think one of our biggest um, philosophies is is diversity is know what your game is know, know where you're going to go uh, and have a strategic diversity in that uh, in that portfolio and a nice balance I love it. It's probably the first philosophy I've heard. Uh, that's that's in relation to to waves and surfing, but it's uh it's so true, right? And I think deep down, I mean, you you obviously got the the hidden elements of that lifestyle drivers that are bringing towards it. But I think it's pretty cool, given you know when you did start and not having that education and not having those podcasts and other things to listen to, or probably even you know the same amount of data that we've got access to today and understanding. Um, all the different metrics around demographics and locations and and stuff that we have today. I think it's probably not a bad concept to be honest, because um, you know wherever they've got that lifestyle driver says one area has got 
you know, strong, strong values of properties or had strong growth previously. Um, if other areas are similar and um, more affordable to get into, then there's nothing to say that those growth drivers won't come through to those areas as well. So no, I, I love it. It's, it's, it's really good. It's a, it's a great one. It is, it is that life. And again, we identified it later in life when we got some uh, education. It is, it's the lifestyle drivers that, that sort of, uh, we were identifying, just didn't name or categorize at the time. Yeah, diff- different different world now. Hey, so I mean, if you had the opportunity to go back to to young Brian and and Lisa, this that would be interesting. I'd love to go back and visit young Brian and Lisa. Um, but uh, if you could tell yourself something when you first started to building out your portfolio, what would it be? I think um, one of the things is definitely education. Like it's really important to know what you don't know or to actually learn some basics around it so that even if you go to get an expert and and get help with buying property, you still need to make sure that they know what they're, they're doing as well. So you've got to have some kind of basics of education about what you're doing to build that portfolio. Um, And then obviously things like, you know, if you can find a mentor or, you know, you need to get a plan. So what is your end goal? Um, And then trying to work back through and actually doing that. Um, I think we learned after our first get together property was, you know, buying an, you know, established house is probably better than buying a, a block of land, putting a Metricon house on it, and then just having to sit on it because you can't, get equity, you can't get anything to do your next deal. So, you know, obviously now that we know that, we know what not to do, I suppose, in in that kind of sense. So, yeah, definitely get educated. Find a mentor if you can who's done it before to help you through those things of going, yeah, actually that's not what you should be doing. Um, But definitely, yeah, look at the right strategy for your situation to make sure that you meet that end goal which with whatever that is. Yeah, I think it's so important and it's something that, um, you know, we, you and I or all three of us can look back and or, or look at and go, yeah, that just makes so much sense getting an established property on a decent block of land. But um, if you don't know, you don't know, right? And I think so many of us go through that that struggle of um, maybe sacrificing asset quality to get it at a, at a lower price. And I understand that everyone has to have a, a stepping stone property or an entry price that they get into, but um, not just be susceptible to, okay, let's just buy an apartment because it's cheaper or let's not just buy that house and land estate in the middle of nowhere because it's cheaper. Um, what's the best property that we can get into for the price that we're at today? Um, and even just those little things with, you know, land component, established house, whatever that looks like, you know, even though those little things, you still need someone to tell you about that or someone to give you guidance around that. So um, it's so important and it, it it's so cool to hear your journey and how you kind of, self-educated yourself and it would have been a lot harder back then I know I remember growing up reading the Steve McKnight books and not that you know they had anything specific around sort of asset selection or due diligence or you know particular properties just like listening to his story but it would have been harder when you guys started and not having those podcasts or those books or you know all these other things that can help you learn Um, I'm sure there would have been mentors around but I think just having someone to bounce back off and go, hey, is this a, is this a good idea? Or is this a good deal? What do we look for in terms of an asset? Um, I think that's so important. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and looking sort of at your your portfolio now, I mean, is there anything specifically that you feel like you would like to change, or has there been things through the process that you you have already changed about the portfolio? 
Yeah, mate. It's, it's been quite a bit. That, that first um, block of land and volume builder property, we, we've, we've still got. It's probably one of our best performers now. It's tripled in value, at least, if not more. But we've also stacked the strategy on that. You know, we did all the wrong things that turned into the right things in some ways. We paid the extra for the extra site, high ceilings and all those sorts of things. And we've actually converted that now into a, a six bedroom, six bathroom, six um, kitchenette rooming house. So we went from $500 a week rent to just under $2,000 a week, a week uh, on that one. So uh yeah that's that's where we've we've had education learned a lot and implemented sort of change strategies um we we are not ones that won't that don't say don't sell um if the property's not in there not performing so our first venture into ba uh we we purchased a property uh quite a few years ago through it through a ba um, and when we looked at it, it really wasn't performing. So we offloaded that one um, that then let us buy another property, cash flow positive property with a, with a deal strategy on it. Um, we're currently in due diligence phase at the moment, um, purchasing a uh, industrial site on the Sunshine Coast. Um, and that's in our SMFS. So um we've built up a fair bit in the smfs and, and allowing us to sort of play so our, our portfolio has got some standard rentals some rooming some dual key or, or dual lock uh and dual income dual income and a couple of um couple of commercial properties in there so talking about that diversity earlier that's sort of we practice what we preach uh we've got a decent portfolio and i suppose that's one of the things that where we're at is we've learned a lot along the way um, and invested heavily in our own education. Um, and it's a passion for us where we're at at the moment. It really is. Yeah, I think what you've done is is incredible, even hearing that story of transitioning a bad property in, into a good property. It's not something that you hear commonly and most people have a dud asset in the portfolio and go, oh, I'm just going to offload this. It's a, it's a lemon. Um, I can use the... The, the cash somewhere else better better utilize but i think you know just having that mindset around well you know how do we best what's the best and highest use case for this asset um and converting it into a six bedroom rooming house is is awesome um hats off to you guys for even thinking of doing that and um you know going through the whole process of you know going through a major builder and all the I used to work for one for about 10 years and I know all the, the headaches and ups and downs that can go along with that process. But, um, you know, turning a bad situation into a good one is, is awesome. And you didn't have to cop the transaction costs in and out for that asset as well. So, um, and it's interesting because a lot of people talk about, you know, different, different properties for different purposes, right? So you could go for that, you know, house and land for a growth perspective and it might've served that purpose. Well, as you said, it didn't serve that purpose for a while, but it, it might have served that purpose over, you know, a medium term, and then now you've turned it into a high cash flow asset, which is which is really cool. Um, so yeah, that's so interesting, and I love that diversification piece as well because um, it's so important. And a lot of people talk about diversification as in location, but I think what you guys have done in terms of diversification of asset type, asset class, um, is really important too because you know 
there's markets within markets around the country, but then there's also markets within asset classes and and the types of assets that you look for. So um, big, big fan of that diversification piece as well. Now, I've been lucky enough to be on this journey with you guys in in terms of starting the, the business and becoming buyers agents. And I love you see go you sell yourselves go through that. Um, at one point in time, did you go, okay, we've built a portfolio. We're happy with where it's at. Um, we we want to start to help other people help build their own portfolios and help them through their journey. When did that sort of light bulb come on for you guys and go, all right, we really want to start a, a business within this? I think um, one of the light bulbs was when Brian said, um, after this property, we've got no more properties to buy. That's it. So with me, I'm like, oh, but what am I going to do now? I like looking at property. I like trying to find good deals. I like that kind of stuff. So I was a bit like, oh, what am I going to do with my spare time? Um, So I think that's where part of it kind of started, where it was like, well, actually, I don't want to give up looking for property, researching um, and that property knowledge we had. Um, we'd naturally had started educating other people, ourselves anyway, or helping friends and that to teach them, I suppose, about education or the education around property. So it just seemed like a natural stepping stone. And, you know, I saw um, Ben Handler's BAI thing come up and it was just a bit like, oh, what's this about? I might just find out a bit more about that. And then it just sounded really interesting. Um, one of the things we said when it came up was uh, we still both had full-time jobs and it was like, well, if nothing else, we'll still get more education, we'll learn more, um, we'll be better at what we're doing anyway. Um, and at that time, I wasn't really happy with my job, my full-time job. So I was like, well, I can just have this sitting on the background, you know, do the education, get my real estate license and then see what happens um, and it just happened that I got redundancy last year. And, um, yeah, it was kind of like a good time to start then moving over into potentially doing it as a business. So that's how it kind of came about in that sense for my end of it. Um, but, yeah, we always talk property all the time and that kind of thing. So it just made sense to move across into that role and, you know, helping people out and trying to get people not to do the mistakes we made. Um, but one of the things that I always look for, you know, if I'm looking at it for somebody else is, would I buy this property myself? Um, and if the answer is no, then I wouldn't pass that property on to somebody else. So that's something I'm really passionate about, or we both are, mm. where, you know, we don't want to be a big buyer's agent. It's really small, personalised, boutique, um, really working with the clients and hopefully working with them long term to help them meet their goals and you know put that exit strategy in for them as well. Well um in, in terms of timing and and transitioning, I think it couldn't have got much better. If anyone needed a sign or a push to step out and go full time, I think uh I think that would be it. So uh yeah, I think it I think this is such an interesting story. And I there's so, you know, you hear this so commonly as well as people get, you know, you get the property bug, people get addicted about property and you want to educate and learn as much as you possibly can. You want to try and do more deals as much as you possibly can. And it sounds like um, when you got the last one, you're going to cap it. But I think if you're still buying that industrial one now, it's, it never really ends, right? So um, well, that was actually two properties ago because <laughs> I another one, which Brian calls my little play property. It's in a 
little area that we think is going to boom and it's got, you know, some land that we're just sitting on as well. So there's a lot we could do with that property. So at the moment it's it's my little play property. Oh, <laughs> I think Lisa's play property is worth diving into a little bit, Jordan, because it's um, – <laughs> I said no when she said, oh, we can do this one cash. So it was on the market, the 220, in an area that we targeted that was was uh, looking really good. Um, and we'd done road trips in between COVID sort of windows being from Victoria. And it was on the market for 220 and I said no. Um, Lise comes back to me and goes, oh, we can do this. It's big enough to do a dual key and all these sorts of other things. Um I came home the next day. Oh, we bought a property. And I'm like, which one? Why? How much? Um, and she bought it for 175 cash, no conditions. And she's like, it's a really good one to demonstrate to people what you can do and all the other bits and pieces. So we bought it for 175. And I think it was rented at the moment for 320. Yeah, 320 a week. So that's her play property that it's kind of like to help you know, understand that we're hitting the markets before. It was actually really flattering to listen to other podcasts or, or podcasts and hear the, the name of this place being uh, touted sort of six or eight months after we bought. So it was and really still, still being used as a yeah. regional spot to go to. So, yeah. Yeah. And and we're also, like, we're doing another thing too. It's also our Renault little, little yeah. job. We've done a, a Renault trip up there and, you know, fixed a few little things and did, did a bit of a paint job. So, yeah, we're learning renovation as we go as well. Very Not that we had to actually learn <laughs> renovation, but, yeah. Well, yeah, we've done a few of those. But it's actually a good sort of demonstration of what you can do with very little money down and it's sitting there backing yourself. So it's a good example, I suppose, or, or proof of, Proof of concept and, and prepare, that we're prepared to back ourselves up, up with what we do. And that it can be a positive geared property, yeah. you know, easily. easily. So you can still find them out there. Well, uh, m most wives come home with a $2,000 handbag and I'd get upset, but uh, your wife, Brian's come home with a 165K property, which, you know, now, now thinking about it, it's probably a good thing. I wish my, my wife came home with a, a property every now and then. It wouldn't be too bad. Uh, but it sounds like a cracking deal. And, and I love that it's kind of, you know, classified as your little pet project because um, everyone loves something that they can work on or do themselves or, you know, just be able to see in what they can capitalize on and what they can turn it into, um, especially if they're at a point in their careers and life and size of portfolio that you guys are, if you have the ability to do that, um, it is something that you can still, you know, you still turn that passion into something fun. So um, great little, great little deal. I, I love it. Um <laughs> So there's a thousand and one out there, but if you had uh, one favorite property, one liner, what would it be? Well, there's too many to say just one, Jordan. <laughs> I think one of the most important things is is when you're talking property, it, it's decades. You, you've got to think decades. Um, and I think game plans is a, is a real sort of. It's funny. I've been developing my own tools as as. Uh, very diligently in the background and thinking I was doing a great job until I saw the demonstration of uh, of game plans and I'm like, yep. I'm... There goes the spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> yep, straight on. I just absolutely loved what you can do in that sort of, um, in the program. 
But not only that, matching up with what I'd already done and, and justified some of what uh, proof of concept around our own sort of spreadsheets and those sorts of things. But yeah, I think property is definitely a long-term game. It's, it's not a quick get rich quick. Um, certainly go for the warm spots because you'll get that initial growth, but understand what it's going to do over decades, not just the next couple of years. I think we've had that experience of something sitting flat for for a long time. And yeah. my one, I'd say, I've got probably two, but my one could be don't wait to buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait. Same theme, Dom. Yeah. <laughs> I, love I love that. I think that's a great one. Um, oh, hers better than mine, Jordan. There you go. No, like I just like I just as like a as a like a punchy one liner. I really like it, but um, yeah, so both, he just rambles. You no, know, <laughs> you both um, you both spot on there. It's just all about getting in and and you know getting into the right asset and then letting time do its thing. And even in your case with that, the one that you built, you know, even if it was the wrong asset, time has still allowed you to turn it into a a good asset. It's tripled in value, and now you've got that high cash flow coming through. Um, and it just goes to show that, you know, property is really a long-term game. If you if you wait long enough, you're going to see those returns. And um, I think it's so important to just have that longer-term picture. And I love uh, I love the feedback on the platform. Thank you. But I also love, um, you know, your comments. You've suggested a few things in there that we're adding in for this release, which will be really cool. And I love being able to work with you through, you know, not only transitioning your spreadsheet into the platform and just double-checking some of those numbers, um, I think, you know, having having that sort of interaction and feedback with anyone you work with is is really positive and, um, you know, provides value back to you. So um, appreciate the kind words. Love the one-liners. And uh, thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate it.